Is Andrew Booth part of the rotation? What's going on with Kirk Cousins' future in Minnesota? And how can the Vikings fix their offense? All that and more. It's Twitter Tuesday on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You liked it on three, one, two, three. You, liked it! you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, where we're always trying to learn something new. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun. And if you're new here, you can find this show wherever you find your favorite shows, whether it is a podcast listening app like SiriusXM. You can also find live broadcasts with all kinds of plans and trials on SiriusXM, live home radio broadcasts of all Vikings games and other sports as well, of course. You can also find the show on YouTube or Amazon Fire Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Special thank you and shout out to all of my everydayers, those of you who listen to this show every single day. I appreciate you all greatly. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for $20 off of your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today is Twitter Tuesday. That means I'm answering your questions as submitted to me via Twitter at LukeBronNFL or at LockedOnVikings, via email, LockedOnVikingsPodcast at gmail.com, or uh, in the Google form in the show notes. Some people just email me like thoughts, too. That's also fine. I will read them. Uh, you can also leave a YouTube comment. I'll probably see it there. Uh, first one that I'm going to answer today comes from Gary Treeman, who asks, Andy Booth... Andrew Booth was asked to play a real amount of snaps in this game. Did he do anything? Do we think this is a trend going forward or a re- weird quirk of Flo's beautiful mind? So that last part's a really good question. I think I don't think I can answer that uh, with just one game because I don't really know if there's like a matchup or something that he liked. It seemed to me like he he wasn't playing field side, which is what you would do with a corner you were like scared of. Um so I couldn't really tell the pattern. I, I might look closer and try to get a better answer on that. But yeah, so Booth played, I want to say like 23 snaps. He played the Makai Blackman role. He just took that role from Makai Blackman. And I don't think Makai Blackman was hurt or anything, at least not to my knowledge. Um, a Caleb Evans did rotate out a little bit because he's got some like oblique soreness or something. He's been dealing with like three different dings and gutting through all of them. By the way, a Caleb Evans played a really nice game against Chicago. Really happy with him. Probably doing a Patreon on him and or Booth soon. Uh, somewhere in the secondary. Really cool stuff. Um, but when he did come off, it wasn't Blackman like it's been for all the other games. So yeah, I'm not sure if that was like a mismatch thing. Like maybe they just liked Booth's size against, I don't know, Mooney, or maybe that's that was their their preferred way to like not get the backup picked on by picked on by like DJ Moore because maybe they thought the Bears wouldn't do that against a bigger corner or something like that. Uh, either way, pretty untested, which I think is more of a Bears being stupid thing than Booth being particularly good. He did his assignments, uh, did his job, did his zone pass offs and his drops properly and everything like that. Sort of did the expectation wasn't really asked by the bears to do any more, which if you're Andrew Booth, no apologies for that. (laughs) You did move the ball on me. You did move the ball on me. Uh, I think there was one catch credited in his coverage, but like 
difficult to actually have an evaluation. And probably the most meaningful thing is that the Vikings found a role for Andrew Booth, used him in that role, and it wasn't an abject catastrophe. So there's something there. There's something they want to use him for right now. He's not just a guy that's on the roster simply because of draft pedigree that they'll cut as soon as it's socially acceptable to do so. That's the, the worry with Andrew Booth. That was the worry this year was that he was going to get cut. Uh, it seems like there might have been some progress between that moment and this one. But I think we just have to see if he keeps doing that role. Uh, yeah, maybe he's figuring something out, but not a great amount of information, I guess, on this one. I, I, like, I hate to kick this off with a I don't really know answer to a question, uh, but just the default of playing and not dissolving is, I guess, news about Andrew Booth. <laughs> Waiting to see more. Grill asks, name one player on each side of the ball that needs slash deserves more snaps. And I guess on defense, it is Booth, right? Uh, if he is getting in, yeah, let's see more of that. Let's get him some experience. Let's, um, even if, if it's, you know, growing pains, get him some growing pains experience, especially if you're one of those people that thinks, ah, yeah, this season's kaput. Let's just like pack it in. Um, then you definitely will want the young guy to get more snaps and try to, you know, develop a little bit over the year. If you're not worried about it, you know, causing the Vikings to do more poorly on defense personally, eh, best player wins. And if you didn't outplay the guy in camp and practice, then that kind of was your chance. But either way, seems like he is earning an opportunity. So let's, yeah, let's, let's see that continue um, on offense. I think I'm with the crowd in that. I think my answer is Cam Akers. Uh, the, Alexander Madison game was not good. I talked about that a lot yesterday. I went pretty hard at him, so I won't uh, rehash it. But yeah, I think Cam Akers has done enough to earn more than two drives a game. He's getting consistently two drives a game. If you're a fantasy person, I wouldn't uh, bank on that changing. I wouldn't like I would wait to start starting him until you actually see that start to grow. But I do think that it is it would be an appropriate measure. I think he's played well and earns a little bit more. Uh, Sketch Conk asks, how do you think Wanam has been this season? And what is the bar for guys like that to get an extension? What a timely question as Marcus Davenport is injured. He's got a high ankle sprain. That'll keep you out four to six weeks, at least according to Ian Rappaport. And that's, yeah, that's like a good rule of thumb. High ankle sprains can be a lot more. I've seen high ankle sprains be a lot less too. Uh, so one of those injuries that tends to sort of be annoying and linger around. So, you know, not not your classic ankle sprain. He is also a candidate for injured reserve. So keep an eye out for that. Maybe if that's the case, that guarantees four weeks. But I do think if he's back before four weeks, that, that would be pretty surprising. Um, meaning more more for uh, DJ Wanham. I think he's kind of the same guy. I, I think he's taken small steps forward the last couple of years. I think the first couple of years of DJ Wanham, I, I was a pretty big hater. The last couple of years have been a little better. Um, he's still a really, really good unblocked player. That's the joke that I always make about DJ Wanham is he's one of the best players in the league as long as you don't, as long as you don't block him. <laughs> and I still think that that's kind of true. Actually winning one-on-one -on -one against tackles, not... It is not his strong suit, which as an edge rusher is a pretty big issue. Um, and so if you're talking about what does he have to do to get an extension, that has to stop being true. I have to like trust you in a one-on-one. -on -one. I don't really trust DJ Wanham in a one-on-one -on -one right now, but in situations where he's the unchained player on the backside of zone, uh, screens, that kind of stuff, if he's just in like kind of chasing situations, which I think is why he always pops off at Soldier, Soldier Field specifically. Because for one, the Bears are really good at letting unblocked players through. 
they just are great. They love doing that. Uh, and number two, Justin Fields likes to run around, which leaves for a whole bunch of time, and that is going to favor somebody who isn't going to necessarily win the one-on-one in the normal amount of time, but give him two extra seconds, and suddenly he's going to find him his way in the backfield. And he's because he's so good at that open field stuff, he can sort of neutralize what Fields does. He's like a specifically Justin Fields eraser, uh, which I think the value of that is going to diminish as time goes on. So I, I don't I'm not too into an extension. I think maybe like a one year kind of uh, let's just bring you back in for one more ride kind of deal is OK. Like the Stephen Weatherly kind of thing, I guess that happened. He like got one year somewhere, and then he gets he's like starts doing one year deals as like a rotational player. I think that's the career that that DJ Wanham carves himself out in the NFL. And there's honor in that kind of career. You don't always have to be the bona fide starter. Uh, you still make your paychecks. Javier Roder asks: Assuming the reports are correct and Minnesota is taking calls on Daniel Hunter, what do you think it would take for the Vikings to move on from him? So there's a whole bunch of reports that the Vikings are always listening. Look, Quasi is always listening. You got to understand when you hear that report, that's not news. You call, Quasi will listen. Is he going to actually do it? Who's to say? What's your offer? But he will always listen. It's in his philosophy to listen. If he's not listening, he's no longer Quasi. Um, that said, what does it take to get to Daniel Hunter? You definitely have to do better than like maximum comp pick, right? Which would be like a what 2025 20, third. Um, so you have to do better than that because if he hits the market, he's getting paid. Look at that dude, especially the game he had in Soldier. Unbelievable stuff. But to make the Vikings do that, mind you, in the next two weeks, you probably have to hit him after San Francisco. San Francisco probably has to have gone dreadfully bad, like bad enough to make everybody feel like the season is totally dead. You definitely can't win that game. And I think you got to lose it by a lot. I think you have to get your 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 butts kicked against San Francisco at home and kind of be down in the dumps. And then you got to call him and say like second round pick or first round pick. I think that's what it would take to pry Daniel Hunter away. Otherwise, we're saying, nah, we're, we're going to play this thing out. Um, I have a whole bunch more questions that I want to make sure that I get to. So uh, let's keep this thing rolling and see if we can't pick up the pace a little bit. Today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is therapy made easy. I've been in therapy for a long time, but I would have never got into it if I hadn't already gotten the advice to try a whole bunch of therapists. The first person that I talked to, I so I have now diagnosed ADHD. The first person I talked to told me to get a planner. It was terrible. And I was like, is this what therapy is about? But I got the advice that said, maybe that person just wasn't for you. But try somebody else. And I eventually found somebody that I've been really happy with for years now. Uh, BetterHelp is an app that takes you through that process that can help hook you up with a whole bunch of other licensed therapists. And if you don't like the person they hook you up with, that is totally fine. They'll let you keep trying until you have somebody that's good. That is what they are here for. So make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. This episode is also brought to you by DoorDash. DoorDash is here especially to help you find some of those local places that uh, you may not have known about otherwise, those hole in the walls without a sign, or maybe you just don't go that way from work. But hey, maybe those are the best wings in town or the best burrito tacos. This has happened to me. (laughs) Uh, Wherever you are in the world, Check out DoorDash, their local favorites, and see if you don't find a little bit of a hidden gem. Um, Also, they can be very convenient for 
groceries at, or just for a quick bite when you're super busy or too lazy to go out or, or uh, fire up the stove. You can get 50% off of up, uh, up to a $10 value when you spend 15 bucks or more on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23, L-O-C-K-E-D-2-3. That's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend 15 bucks or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and then enter code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. Hey, why don't you tune in to the Locked On Vikings YouTube channel right before the games start on Sunday, like 11-ish, 10 uh, central time. That's where we have the NFL kickoff live. We have like our own NFL kickoff show with all the Locked On hosts hanging out on a live show, previewing that Sunday's games. Would love to see you there. You can also check me out on Patreon at patreon.com slash NFL. I'll probably have an Andrew Booth thing. I think I'm going to do a run defense thing. Haven't watched the offense yet, so I'll see what speaks to me there. Um, that said later in the show, you guys have a whole bunch of questions about how to fix the offense. And I do have some theories out like holistically, uh, but the granular like film stuff you can find over on Patreon. Next one comes from Gami who asks with all the cousins talk and Glazer's weird out of context quote, do you still think we draft a first round QB next year? So the, the Glazer quote in question I went and watched it was on the Rich Eisen show. I went and watched the whole clip. There is no additional context. Uh, he is asked, do you think the Vikings trade Kirk Cousins? And he says all this stuff about how eh, it would be hard. You know, teams don't really fire sale as much as we say they're going to fire sale and blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and I don't really know who the team is or whatever. And he, he's talking to Andrew Siciliano and Andrew Siciliano like presses him a little bit. He's like, yeah, but like, would they do it? And he says, I think they want him back. Uh, and that was it. He just said, I think that they want him back. And then he clarified that that was as of training camp and that he hasn't really talked to the Vikings or paid attention to the situation since training camp, which tracks, uh, the Vikings in training camp were in extension talks with Kirk cousins. That was reported back then too, uh, that they did have some discussions. Those discussions ultimately did not bear fruit. And they said, we're going to revisit this after the season. Not unlike with Justin Jefferson, right? So after the season, they're going to have a whole bunch of other contract negotiations before franchise tag deadlines and Kirk Cousins contract voiding and free agency in the league you're turning over and all that other stuff with guys like Daniel Hunter as well. Um, all of those conversations will be revisited. So I still think that that's the plan. Um, so will they draft a quarterback in the first round next year? We will definitely know by like March 20th or whatever the day is or 21st or whatever the franchise tag deadline is, then we'll absolutely know. But I don't think that Jay Glazer is reporting anything that hadn't already. I think Glazer might have been the one who reported that back then, too. So I don't think that that's new information. Uh, Brazilian Camilla asks, sometimes I feel like Kirk is throwing some too fast, strong bullet passes to check downs. And that's credited only as a drop to the receiver. But I think that the QB should help, too. Do you feel this way, too? Um, sometimes I will feel that way about a quarterback, like generically, I will feel that way if a quarterback is throwing a screen and it's like a bullet, you'll see like young quarterbacks do that where they feel like they have to like throw everything as hard as they possibly can. And it's like, dude, that is a two yard check down. Chill out. So um, sometimes I'll say that I don't really, I can't think of a lot of examples with Kirk of him doing that. She talked about TJ Hawkinson elsewhere in the question, and um, some of those that don't get caught, I think, have to be lasers. They're like tight windows, so they have to be that fast, and you kind of have to say, all right, dude, you just have to kind of bring that in. I know it's hard. Uh, Minnesota Sports Appreciator says, Alexander Madison 
a terrible chipper or was Dalvin Cook just really good at it and then we took it for granted? I don't think I remember Dalvin Cook being like a perfect pass protector either. Um, I remember a couple of times of him getting like smoked in pass pro giving up sacks and stuff uh, that the play you're probably thinking of was what turned into an interception. Uh, Alexander Madison having to come all the way across and, and block. I think it's a blitzer. might have been a D lineman. Um, no, it's a blitzing safety, I thought. Anyways, he gets a hit. He Alexander Madison just doesn't get him clean. He gets a hit. It, it was a bad chip. Is Alexander Madison a bad pass protector? I don't think he's awful, uh, but that one was bad. Yeah, that was a bad play. But again, totality of things, right? Not just the one play you remember. Wolves Nation asks, how hard would it be for us to out-tank the other bad teams sitting at 1-5 and five or 2-4? and four? Be the easy th- easiest thing in the world. Just quit. Stop play- Just stop playing hard. If you quit, you'll lose all the games. Just uh, look at the Bears around weeks 16, 17, 18 every year once they're eliminated. Um, Cleve asks, how much harder is it for a QB to deal with interior pressure versus edge pressure? Um, much. So the it's it's kind of an Occam's razor. It's the simplest thing in the world. Interior pressure comes faster. That's kind of it. Uh, if you've got a guy coming up the A-gap, that's so much harder than someone coming off the edge. Um, that's why protections are usually based inside out. Uh, for the most part, there's exceptions as with everything, but inside out, you block the inside guys first. They have the shortest path to the QB. The other advantage is if you are looking at, say, two guys coming off the edges, like uh, like what the Chiefs did to the Vikings before, you can set your protection. Let's say you have a hot route. I think they didn't have a hot route that time. But let's say you have a hot route. Let's say it's on the right side. Um, you can set your protection so that the guy that the the block or the blitzer that is unblocked, let's say they've got one too many guys, somebody has to be unblocked. You have to pick who it is. If you make that the guy coming off the right edge, so he's the guy that you're gonna throw throw over, um, then you can see him coming and you can like make that choice, right? With edge pressure. With interior pressure, it's like, well, he's coming from the center or like a different part of the center. That's not gonna be as good, right? So yeah, edge pressure is a lot easier to deal with than interior pressure. Um, Nate asks what's going on with Jalen Naylor I had high hopes for him this season uh he's been on IR if you missed that yeah he's so he's uh I don't know when he's coming back he's he's been eligible for a while but yeah he was kind of hurt like all preseason all all preseason he he got hurt in the beginning of camp and (laughs) I remember Kevin O'Connell being like we hope it's a short-term thing (laughs) well it's mid-October he's still on IR so you know just goes to show you what that's all worth uh, Ryder Jensen asks, do you feel like the loud minority overrule the quiet majority? I want the Vikings to win. I feel like tanking for a QB is the best way to guarantee it. a decade of bad football cook, man. Um, I don't know if it's a minority, to be honest with you. I, I'm, I'm thinking about Phil Mackey did a post or did a poll. I think it was on game day. That was like, do you want the Vikings to win today or not? And it was like 50, 50, like 50% of people were like, no, I want draft position. Um, now to be fair, the score North guys have sort of curated an audience that's going to want that because they talk about it a lot. Uh, but it's not just them, right? I mean, you list, if you look at like what's what the NFL like network guys are talking about, like what they talk about on TV when they talk about the Vikings is always oh, going to be a fire sale. Are they going to trade Daniel Hunter? Are they going to trade Justin Jefferson? You know, who are they going to get rid of and all like what are they going to finally do it? Um, 
it's the media will ask a tanking question to Quasi just about every time he goes up on the onto the podium. If you listen to Minnesota Talk Radio, they talk about it all the time. So I don't know if it's a minority, and I think part of that is because Vikings fans who listen to content that isn't your favorite daily podcast on the Minnesota Vikings hashtag first listen every day. Uh, <laughs> but everything else that you listen to is screaming at you that winning is bad, actually. And that draft position is more important than winning, you know, week six games against the bears. And, you know, when they lose dancing around and playing the Prince song and going and checking tankathon.com, like you're going to turn into that guy. Cause that's all anybody ever tells you kind of why I feel like I want to subvert that a little bit, you know? Uh, Cody bucket asks, what was the play that made you angry tweet? <laughs> I did not pick a good order for those questions. Uh, the play that made me angry. Okay, my game day tweets don't count. If you get, if, if you see a wild tweet totally out of pocket from me, check if there was a game going on. Because if there was a game going on, I'm just going through it. I got to get my tweets out. I stand by none of my game, my game day tweets. They, they're all lies. It's a bit. I don't care. I'll do the joke defense that that uh, Alex Jones had to do in his big lawsuit. All right. Uh, but the ones that really tipped the play that really tipped me off was the Cam Akers fumble catastrophe thing. The, the like pitch back where Cam Akers couldn't get the ball out of bounds and it should have been a fumble and they got super bailed out that it wasn't like a clear recovery in bounds. I thought that was a really bad call. Uh, but I guess we take those. I don't know. That one was like, this team is a, an abject catastrophe. They couldn't get their protections right. They can't get a pitch back. Right. We can't even check down anymore. This is awful. And then they went three and out like three times in a row. And I was just like seething. <laughs> Speaking of offensive woes, my goodness, I've got a bunch of questions on that. So let's try to see if we can't attack some of the problems in a, in a maybe a more productive way than I do on game days. <laughs> Thank you to the sponsor of today's episode, which is Game Time. Game Time is an app. You can also go to GameTime.co uh, to Find last-minute seats and flash deals right up to the start of an event, be it a Vikings game or Twins game, Wolves game, or a concerts theater, whatever. You can find all of it, and you can get images of your seats so you can make sure that you're satisfied with the view, and they have a 110% game time guarantee. That means if you find seats in the same section in the same row for a lower price, game time will credit you back 110% of the difference. They are that confident that they are the best deal in town. So download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on NFL for 20 bucks off of your first purchase terms apply again, create an account and redeem code locked on NFL for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right. I got a whole bunch of offensive woes questions here on the locked on vikings podcast twitter tuesday the first one comes from shane which says what does the offense need to do in order to rise to the level of san francisco miami or dare i say detroit um so detroit is not a great comparison because they're not trying to do the same things as the vikings miami and san francisco are really good comparisons because schematically they're almost identical to the vikings um, and they're, you know, two of the best offenses in the league. And I think the key difference is that they've got multiple like JJ caliber players over in both of those places, right? They've got their Tyreek Hill and their Jalen Waddles, like they're two like superstar players. And in San Francisco, you got Kittle, McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, you know, Ayuk playing out of his skull. You've got multiple game breaking weapons. The Vikings have one game breaking weapon and he's on IR and the rest of the guys are just kind of guys. That is the key difference. As for Detroit, 
their offense is structured off of a totally different run scheme, which is going to basically change the shape of everything strategically that they're trying to do. And it's a little bit apples to oranges. Um, Mark D asks in the first five games, we had 15 to three and outs and four drives that have lasted four plays before we punted. Why have there been so many occasions in which the team has comprehensively failed to get drives started? Um, this is going to be a question that is best answered kind of case by case. Each three and out is different. They're not always doing the same thing. Look, sometimes it's a holding penalty that puts you in a first and 20 and you can't get out of it. Sometimes like last week, there was one where they had a punt downed at the five. They were backed up and that warped their play calling and they had to call kind of a get breathing room run and it went poorly. Um, and then they had like a delay of game too, which was a catastrophe. Still can't get their play calls in, huh? Uh, <laughs> goodness, get your sideline together. Um, sometimes you have a great run on first down and you set up second and three and then you throw two incomplete passes and you punt, right? Each one is going to be its own thing with its own shape. But I would say the answer to this question is going to be a more broadly overarching what is wrong with the offense. And that's the stuff that I've been complaining about all year. Execution, not fast enough on rollouts. Um, you know, protection versus blitzes are not called correctly. Or if they are, you know, we're not able to get to our blitz counters because we aren't either aren't throwing hot or we don't have a hot to throw. Um, there have just been a there were a bunch of times last week where the Vikings couldn't get open because they just didn't have I mean Addison and Osborne just didn't get the job done. Couldn't do that without uh Justin Jefferson. And uh sometimes it's you know, you, you had a great play call, but TJ Hawkinson couldn't bring it in. It's a whole bunch of different things. Really depends on the three and out. Uh, Bad Dad Joke says, for years it seemed that we get a lead and immediately become conservative on both offense or defense, leading to stall drives, three and outs, lengthening scoring drives in response. How much of this phenomenon would you attribute to game management philosophy and how much to the play of the team? I mean, look... Everything works if it works, right? Everything's a great idea if it works. Running the clock out and running the ball every single play is awesome. If you go on an eight play drive, that looks great. But if you run three times and punt it back on a three and out, suddenly running the ball didn't sound like so good of an idea, right? None of us are immune to that. But what I will say is I think the Mike Zimmer school of closing a game out is is the undefeated one. And it was literally like 33 and one before the 2020 and 2021 years where the defense like just fell apart kind of in general. But strategically and philosophy wise, if you can run the ball and shorten the game, you can keep those leads, right? When you are up two scores, the goal, like there's two ways to do this. Either go score again and be up three scores, you know, with however much time to go. Or it's, I think, just as good to take away a scoring opportunity from them, right? If they need three scores to be, say you got a, a 17 point lead, they've got three, they need three scores to beat you. And they've got enough time for three drives. If you score and you go up four scores, you win. If you just take up so much time that they can only get two drives in, you win, right? I think that's just as good. Uh, and one is a lot easier than the other, right? Just holding the ball and just sort of barely moving the chains and letting 40 seconds, 40 seconds, 40 seconds drain off is a lot easier. Uh, I think the Vikings, I think it's honestly the off opposite problem. I don't think it's going too conservative. I think they've had times where they've had a two-score lead in the fourth quarter and they're throwing a bomb trying to score or they're calling a shot play that turns into a sack. Right. And then suddenly they feel like there's momentum and, you know, you, the things start to spiral. Um, and I think that press like aggressive, 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 aggressive philosophy will kill you in some of those spots. But 
if you do manage to break one open and eventually the floodgates open, hopefully you go get those blowouts. And I think that's where the play of the team has not been good enough, right? Where they haven't been able to consistently do that. So again, every one of these questions is some version of who do we blame? Is it execution or play calling? It's like, it's both, dude. It's sometimes the play call sucks. Sometimes the guy sucks. Ask me about a specific play, but sometimes it's one and sometimes it's the other. Can't give you an interesting answer without charting every single play. And I ain't going to do that. Skull Squatch asks, are you team Big Penix Energy or team Big Dick Knicks? Uh, neither right now. I uh, cannot be bothered to pay attention to college quarterbacks until March. Please hold your questions until then. I have watched one game of both of those guys, and I was also playing a video game. So I wasn't really paying attention. This is I don't, I don't have an answer for you yet. Uh, CJ Ham's burner asks, when do you think Fabiano Caruana will stop absolutely outclassing his fellow chess players in every tournament he played on? Uh, yeah, Fabiano Caruana, a, a chess player that I'm absolutely familiar with, and I've watched all of his matches for sure. I've definitely watched a chess match where he played uh, all of them, actually. Um, and I mean, look, time comes for us all, right? The, the this will not be limitless, but it's not exactly football. It's not running back where, you know, you you play four or five years and you're done. This this can last a while. Uh, it's certainly until he is older than he is right now, which I do know what that number is. Uh, Arifasan asks, do the bunnies become larger with every loss and correlatively do they get smaller with every win? Yes. Uh, tomorrow you can <laughs> listen to this show. We'll do a little bit more of a tape breakdown, some of the more serious film stuff, where I'll hopefully have some more salient answers to questions about did so-and-so play well or what what went wrong here, what went right there. And then, of course, we got uh, Crossover Thursday coming. We've got a Monday night game, so the schedule for next week is going to be a little weird. We'll get to that when we get to it. For now, I will see you all next time, and as always, Skull. <laughs>